0: there. Welcome to another Breakthrough Research podcast episode. I'm Marjorie da costa Bril, and I am a Senior Lecturer in Artificial Intelligence at Sheffield Hallam University, and I will be hosting today's episode. The Breakthrough Research podcast is supported by the Industry and Innovation Research Institute, at Sheffield Halland University and we are going to give you an insight into the work that we do. On your lunch, in the morning or evening, we want to be there on your break. So, screens down and tune in to learn so much more about not only new and exciting research, but also the journeys behind the researchers themselves. Today, we have the the pleasure of uh, having Dr. Carlos Eduardo da Silva. He is a senior lecturer in software engineering and the leader of the ASERG Applied Software Engineering Research Group. So welcome, Carlos. Thank you. In order to comply with social distancing, we are making the recordings by digital platform with simple equipment that we have at home. We might even get extra help from small t- children and pets, so you can imagine this chat is happening is happening just next to you. The episode that you are listening to now was recorded on the 4th of March, 2021. So, to start with, uh, I would like you to tell us, to tell our listeners, Carlos, what path led you to, to working at Sheffield Hallam? why why did you decide to come here
1: yeah okay thank you so my path is is a a bit different from the traditional path of of uk academics so i've i've done a a, i'm from brazil so i've done my undergraduate and master's degree there then i i came to england in 2007 to do a phd in kent Uh, there i finished when i finished my phd i got a postdoc position also in kent and then i went back to Brazil in 2012, uh, stay for a while, and then came to Sheffield Hallam in 2019. Uh, how, how, how I managed to get into Sheffield Hallam? It's kind of connected to my uh, way of thinking. So I, I have always uh, operated in an applied research mentality. So when I finished my PhD and went back to Brazil I went into a, into a new department in the in the Federal University of Rio Grande do Norte where they were just creating this new institute devoted to applied research and then because of that it was kind of a, a good match so I got involved into for example uh, creation of incubator programs into a a, a science park focus on IT startups, I'm still a consultant there. And then my research kind of moved together with this environment in the areas of software engineering and cybersecurity. So I kind of, today uh, uh, I explore both the, the software engineering that, let's say traditional software engineering research, how to build software systems, how to to apply best practice in a way that your software systems will have proper quality, uh, it will be scalable, it will uh, help your organization for years uh, ahead and easier to maintain. And I also had a chance to explore the cybersecurity side, mainly focused on digital identity management, federated authentication and access control. So. Uh, That was because of my postdoc in in Kent. Then my my research kind of developed into those uh, two areas and a merge of them. And after doing a sabbatical in in the University of York in 2016, I learned about uh, Sheffield Harlem University. I saw that there were some positions available, uh, applied and, and came here in September 2019.
0: Cool. So very diverse uh, 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 career so far. So for our listeners, you mentioned you know uh, IT. So IT is a very you know understandable terminology, I think so far. But you are a senior lecturer in software engineering. So can you explain in a very simple way what is software engineering within the IT area?
1: Yes. So software engineering, the 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 whole idea of software engineering is to provide uh, a set of techniques, methodologies, best practices, uh, mechanisms, tools, to help uh, programmers, developers in building software. So the the research in software engineering is is looking at uh, what are the best practices to build software in the same way that you have civil engineering, defining a set of best practices of how to build a bridge, for example. So that's kind of the comparison that we usually do in this sense. So in terms of my research in software engineering, what we look at is uh, if you have a company, for example, and you are building a a particular piece of software for your company, uh, the software engineering will help you in making sure that first your your process, your building process, is maintainable. So in a sense, we want to build software that uh, meet the requirements of the of the owners. So so we have a set of good qualities, less bugs, uh, is not too expensive to maintain, and so on. So software engineering will will help on that will help on that. Uh, Regard and then when we do it for we go for the applied software engineering. Basically, what we are saying is there are there is this bunch of practices, best practices, techniques, and so on. How can we make sure that when we move from the textbook to a company, those things are are actually uh, useful, so and usable for for those companies. And it's not something that just happens, just works in the in the textbooks.
0: Very interesting. So, uh, for the people that work in companies that might be listening to our podcast today, what would you say is the main impact of using, you know, this software engineering practice that you mentioned? Because I, I, is this something that is commonly used, or is not? Like companies, they try to avoid, you know, going through that route.
1: That that is a very tricky question so uh, in a general sense anyone can build software so you don't need a degree to build software anyone can learn how to program and construct their own software but uh, when you start taking into considerations uh, things like scalability for example the number of clients in your company is increasing or for example Uh, you have a change in your team. So you have, for example, a number of employees dedicated to building software. Those employees leave your company. You have a new group now. or You have a a, a small development team, and now you need to grow this uh, team. If you don't have what we call uh, a very well-defined software development process in place, Uh, those small changes actually can bring in a very substantial impact to companies. And in some cases, if a company does not look into those uh, aspects, it might be the case that actually all that effort, everything that's been developed, actually they have to throw it away and then start again. From from scratch, and then you start uh, connecting those things to financial costs. Uh, the, the other thing is that uh, usually when you have a small team or or a small project, uh, when you look into applying those software engineering principles or process, uh, there is a feeling that those processes are too heavy for what I'm doing. And then again, they, they kind of got into the trap that, yeah, you are starting in a very small setting, but as you grow up, if you don't change, or if you don't adjust your practices to those uh, uh, best practices, to those uh, uh, processes, uh, let's say, uh, you kind of falls into this, the problem that I mentioned before of dealing with those changes.
0: So I guess it's very much linked to the you know uh, the best uh, way possible outcome for the company itself you know with their practices so that's what I understood uh in, in based on on what you said, so you said you work with software engineering and cybersecurity so can you give us an a, a brief description of what cybersecurity is
1: yes, uh, cybersecurity is a very broad term so uh, in a general sense if you if we go to the textbook definition of, of security, uh, we want to guarantee or, or to protect the confidentiality integrity and availability so that 's the general notion of, of security and confidentiality in the sense that uh, the information from your company or, or from somewhere someone won't be available for, for those not authorized to, to see them. In terms of integrity, uh, what we're looking for is guaranteeing that the information that is correct has not been uh, modified by a malicious agent. And in terms of availability, is to make sure your service is available for those who want to use them. So that's kind of the general definition or. or let's say, the, the accepted goals of security when you think about computing and, and IT. And then when we move into cybersecurity, it's kind of the application of those goals into different aspects of uh, uh, an IT infrastructure, going from networks to your uh, servers where your applications will run, to your final software or to your... Employees, notebooks, and devices, and and so on.
0: How interesting! So I hope you know. Just to ma- to clarify, we are not being sponsored by Facebook, Google, or any of the other companies. If they want to sponsor us, please, we would we would like that. Uh, but can you can you just uh, give us an example, a practical example of one of your projects that use you know this kind of approach, uh, combining software engineering practices with, you know, a federated ad- identity. Can you give us one example of one thing that you did and had an impact on, on, on the society, for instance?
1: Yes, so one of my first projects when I started as a uh, as an academic, so in my first uh, post as an academic in a, in a university, I got involved in, uh, in a project with the in a general sense, we wanted to develop a storage system. So a cloud-based storage system to replace Dropbox. So that was the the briefing that we use at the time. And at the time, there was a huge discussion on where your data is stored. This was way before GDPR. And who's got access to your data and closely uh, uh, at that time, also there, there was the Snowden revelations about the mass surveillance of data from heads of, uh, of data from head of state by by several agencies. So the project was: we want a, a, a cloud storage system, and the requirement was the cloud storage system must be located completely in Brazilian territory, in Brazilian network, and we have a. A set of let's say requirements regarding security of this system and the data stored there. So that was my uh, one of my first big projects that, that I got involved with. And in that project, my role initially was how can you first deal with identity management in a in a let's say in a country the size of Brazil. <laughs> so if you if you think <laughs> about that Uh, one example of situation is uh, every university should have access to that storage system, but uh, the user base for that system is maintained by the university. So it's like in the UK, if we had a cloud storage system by the government and you you use your Sheffield Hallam University credentials to access that system. So that was the the first uh, objective. And then uh, based on that objective, we received a few other uh, requests in the sense that uh, I have a a set of, uh, let's call it properties that I must guarantee in this uh, system. So that was my, my research challenge at the time. And then we also have to deal with how to uh, do access control in in this system, considering the number of, of users that we have, uh, let's say that will have access to it uh, at some point, and then uh, we developed a a let's say an access control management system that's integrated with the with the solution, and that allow us to to work with what we call delegation, so. If I am the owner of the cloud storage service, I can tell uh, DTS, so the IT service uh, department in the in Sheffield Halla to say, you are the one responsible for your users. Uh, those are the, in the end, it was a five years project. So it's a very substantial amount of time. And we went from a research project to a MVP, so a minimum viable product with a proof of concept then to a full-fledged uh, uh, service that's actually offered today by the, the Brazilian uh, National Research and Education Network. That would be equivalent to GISC in the UK. So GISC, for those who don't know, uh, provides let's say, the internet access to the universities in the UK, uh, all of all the universities. So we had the equivalent and they provide the cloud storage service that's currently being used by a few uh, government bodies. And the other result from that is that uh, the, the team that got involved in the project, we, they created a spin-off company that today maintains uh, this cloud service and has other uh, contracts uh, in Europe and in, in Latin America exploring this kind of service
0: very impressive carlos can you can you explain to our listeners that might not be aware what is cloud in a very simple way? what is cloud is it in the what is when it rains so we have lots of clouds what is
1: it cloud <laughs> cloud computing in a in a general sense you can think of uh, it's a computer like the one you might have in your house uh, but it's run. this computer is installed and, and running somewhere else where you don't need to worry about that in a very <laughs> simple terms. There is a computer somewhere, someone is responsible for, for taking care of, of this computer and you have a set of softwares or apps that allows you, allow you to access this uh, this computer, and then you have a bunch of services. We usually call them services that run on, on this computer. So, in a in a general sense, you can imagine that if you work with uh, photography, you might have a computer in your in your studio, for example, and a very large uh, uh, hard drive, probably several hard drive or some kind of storage systems. In a cloud environment the hard drives, the computers, and all that would be uh, maintained at a different location and you would be paying someone, someone to take care of this uh, for you. So that's the simplest <laughs> explanation of cloud computing.
0: Excellent. And and I believe, uh, you know, based on what you explained, this, this is, you know, the kind of research, at least from the computing side, that would benefit basically every other area of research so can you tell us a bit about the other uh, collaborations that you have with other areas do you do you work with other you know researchers from different areas or are you focusing on only in computing you know uh, research
1: yes uh, so we 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 usually uh, I, I used to say uh, i work with applied computing so i do applied research in that sense Uh, the way we see it is uh, computing as a means to something. So how can we connect that to the uh, researchers out there? So whenever you are doing some kind of research, you have eventually you will need some kind of computing support. Either you will need a storage uh, space somewhere. You need that this storage space must be secure uh you might need to develop uh, an app to collect the to do to run a survey or to communicate with your colleagues or participants of your research and so on and people usually look at computing in this sense as i need a programmer to build me this very simple app and that's it uh, what we do in this sense is yeah so we have, for example, a cloud solution for storage, and we can guarantee certain security aspects. Uh, We can offer you this service, but uh, we will use that opportunity to develop further our research. So in a sense, it's like I am developing uh, an app for a particular piece of research, But in developing that app, I am applying, for example, a new software engineering technique or a new methodology, or I am collecting that experience to help me in identify a new research challenge that can benefit the whole software engineering community and so on. So in this sense, uh, we as applied uh, software engineering research group We have this view that we can contribute with any area, with anyone. And in doing this contribution, we are able to extract uh, either new challenges that are relevant for for computing, for software engineering, or we can apply our new methods, new techniques into the development of of this research. So this is kind of... uh, you could think of this in a way that we we help you and you help us situation.
0: Yeah, I think I think the saying is I scratch your back and you scratch mine, yeah. Yeah, so people if you are listening and you need you know support and you are keen to collaborate in soft engineering research and cybersecurity, get in touch. So continue. Uh, you seem very passionate and you have a lot of experience, you know, and you you've run very large projects and everything. So, what can you tell us? How did you decide to do computer science? You know, wh- why did you decide to go through this
1: path? Yeah, how 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 I got into computing. So, let's say when when I was in, in school in Brazil, uh, so I, I got my my first computer like my first computer around fourteen years, yeah, around that time, and I started to to trying to understand how the things worked. So instead of just playing uh, a game, for example, I'll try to understand how that game uh, worked. Uh, Instead of just opening a a web page or communicating a chat with someone, I'll try to understand how that program that I was using uh, worked. And then because of that, I kind of, I learned a bit of programming by myself. at that time, in, in my school, at least, we didn't have any kind of uh, programming lessons or anything like that. And after that, I started to, to move, to read a lot and try a lot of things uh, connected to cybersecurity. So I was looking into, for example, how a program uh, run in your computer, how can you modify that program, so it would run in a different way, somehow, and so on. And then, when it was time to choose uh, what is my degree, what's my career, uh, I saw computer science and and that was kind of a natural choice. And then, from there, I just continue with this, let's say, curiosity uh, mind so trying to understand how things work and so on. And, and at some point, uh, some of my lecturers used to call me a uh, bit brusher. <laughs> so it's, it's a bad translation, but in a general sense, uh, computers in, in deal with binary information. And in binary, you have a bit that can be zero or, or one. And information basically is a combination of bits, of zeros and ones. And when you are learning how to program, when you are using, using for example, a programming language, you learn what are the keywords or how to, to write your program. So it's similar to, write a, to to learning a new language. You learn English, Spanish, or whatever it is. And those words, those keywords, uh, they are translated later on into these bits. And when I was doing my my, my degree. Uh, very often I would be looking into how this translation happened. So instead of looking into how to write the program using the uh, English words, I was looking into what this English word would mean in terms of bits and, and so on. And <laughs> that's how I got this. So it was not a, a nickname because it was not a, in a good way, but yeah, it was a bit of a bit brusher. When I was doing my my degree.
0: Very cool. I I guess this is not an, an unusual path, isn't it? So it's not it's common that y- young children they get interested in, in in pieces of machine and then they ended up uh, doing you know science related degrees. Very cool. When when you, you 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 mentioned you know a few areas of your research, what would you say is the your favorite? part of being a researcher and what it would be the main challenge of being a researcher.
1: The favorite part uh, in in doing research in my case, it's a very applied uh, research. That's what I do is when you notice, when you see that the, let's call it your client, for example, uh, sees the result. So when you, when you are working with a company, for example, in a big project and then, Usually companies in general, they are a kind of, uh, they're not very comfortable around academics about researchers. They don't, don't it's not something that you find it very commonly in, in the majority of companies. Of course, you have those huge companies, uh, the big names with uh, research departments and all that. But when you go to these like medium companies and, and so on, they, they are not that uh, keen on engaging on this kind of stuff. And then, when you bring in your applied research, and then you show, look, this is the result I got from the project that translates into those indicators for you. So, for example, an increase in revenue or an increase in the number of clients. And at the same time, it translates into those indicators for me for example a, a substantial research output so that is the really the the good side of doing this kind of applied research when the 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 client kind of you see the the bright the, the eyes lighten up and say that that's really cool let's do more so you gained the 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 person basically uh the least favorite part of doing research my main problem is the amount of experts we have out there propagating best practices and and what i mean by that people kind of selling those best practices usually using loads of buzzwords that are uh, from time to time you have those very uh, words that are, are very famous or, or draw attention but uh, they do their stuff and then later on you noticed actually uh, they need the basic concepts, the basic theories, the basic methodology to fix uh, their mistakes. And that's kind of, it's, it's least favorite because it paints a bad picture of, of software engineering in, in a sense, because those people present themselves as uh, experts in, in software engineering. But on the other hand, it gives us problems to solve.
0: Yeah, sounds very familiar. I work with artificial intelligence is even worse, I would say. So uh, we are uh, moving towards the end of this very interesting and and exciting chat. So can you tell us what Carlos likes to do when he's not working?
1: When not working, I would say I I have phases. (laughs) So my current phase is playing in uh, PlayStation 4 and I'm trying to learn to play the guitar for a number of years now, but I'm still trying to learn. <laughs> uh, yeah, those those were kind of my current uh, uh, interest. Uh, I had a phase where I was playing around with Arduinos and single board computers. So Arduinos, for uh, it's a kind of a small prototyping board where you can very easily program electronic circuits to do several stuff. Uh, and I had I had my face with Arduino with a room full of bits and, and pieces and connected together and wires moving around. But c- currently my 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 face is more on the video games and learning the guitar.
0: And then the last question that I would like you to you know tell our listeners is if anybody got interested, you know, either by uh, they are still uh, in school and they got interested in software engineering or cybersecurity or they are already in the university and they want to hear more or they want to, you know, part- they are a company and they want to partner with, you know, your research group. So can you tell us what the different ways of, you know, getting in touch and, and engaging in this area?
1: Currently, we are uh, designing... Uh... Uh, let's say a series of workshops. We are designing a series of events where companies could come in to to learn more about what we do and to discuss their current problems and, and requirements and, and challenge. Let's say so we have this going on. It's not ready yet, but it's one direction that we are we are planning to to explore in the Sheffield City region as part of the university Sheffield Innovation Program and the Digital Innovation for Growth Program. So this is one one way, one front that we are moving that direction. But uh, we are open. Well, we, you cannot come here now with the lockdown and everything. But we are open. You can contact us through the our university channels, LinkedIn, uh, social media, and and through the institute. We are open for for chats for. Having a virtual coffee or anything like that, and we have uh, as part of the of the research group. So we have this front towards uh, interacting with company, dealing with knowledge exchange, and so on. So this is something that that any company can participate, can inquire, and then we have a, a, a internal an internal process where we go through all the the necessary stages. If you are if you are a student and you are interested in any of those topics of software engineering, cybersecurity, uh, anything like that, you can contact me directly so we can work. Uh, if you are a university student, we can work in terms of final year projects. Uh, we can think in terms of projects to be developed uh, in terms of your modules. We can think of uh, Interactions through student societies, for example, uh, we could participate and try to develop something that, in that sense. And, and if you are looking for, for a university, so you are choosing your, your university, uh, you can also contact us, so Sheffield Hallam University, uh, in the, there, there, there will be an open day coming. Shortly, but you can contact us in the meantime to to get more information. That would go uh, through initially our recruitment uh, office, but we provide uh, we are we are available to answer questions and help them.
0: So yes, please, if you got interested, in you know, soft engineering, applied soft engineering, cybersecurity, get in touch because we have lots of, of opportunities and interesting research and applied research. As a matter of fact so thank you carlos it was we i hope we enjoyed uh, our break time podcast i would like to you know thank carlos uh dr carlos for his time and his explanation and for joining us
1: thank you for for having me it was a, an interesting experience
0: see you next time where we will be meeting with another of our researchers so screams down and tune in you won't want to miss it